I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to The Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's show, Grass 10 champion Eddie O'Donnell highlights the benefits of the competition to his farm business. We're at Spring Cabin Herbs, we start cabin around the 1st of February and um, we uh, have a decent mean cabin days around the middle of February, 18th of February to be exact, and we... Um, Compact enough for Kevin, 85 or 86 percent of in the first six weeks, and we'll be finished Kevin there in uh, early to mid April. And we produce uh, milk right up until nearly Christmas, so it's about 285 uh, day lactation uh, length uh, for the herd. Um, as they're Kevin compactly, it's easy enough to get the days into them and still get your six or seven weeks uh, dry. Um, the herd last year would have hit 530 kilos of concentrate up from maybe 260 or 270 kilos before uh, quotas had been removed. And the target will be to feed around a half ton of bought-in concentrate annually and the remainder uh, comes from the farm as in the Bales Village or, uh, uh, and the majority of it is, uh, is grazed grass. And uh, the herd last year would have produced or sold 470 solids and produced around 485 solids per cow, around 13 uh, or 113, 150 solids per hectare, I suppose. And I, I guess, um, can you give us an idea? You're 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 milking around three hundred and twenty cows at the moment now, Eddie. Where would that have come from, um, say in the last ten to fifteen years? Two thousand five, uh, uh, we would have been making maybe seventy cows, and we'd have up to maybe twenty cows nearly nearly a year. Um, we would have taken on a farm uh, six miles away that we're currently milking on as well in two thousand six, and also bought a farm. So that would have allowed us to. Increased production to his quota, uh, carry quota attached to the farm we bought and would allow us to produce milk and purchase quota and carry and dairy gold during the milk quota exchanges. So it would have been up to maybe 240 cows the year before quotas went and jumped to 290 the year the quotas uh, uh, in 2015 and would have been growing away since. And this year we would have calved down 350 cows and there's around 340 milk in there uh, currently at the moment. Um, so I suppose we've, the herd has grown a, a fair bit and also would have changed the type of cow to have been mainly your typical Munster, Holstein Friesian cow, MAUs, GMIs and FXs in 2008-2009 and would have crossed them all with uh, pure jerseys and would have a predominantly crossbred herd at this stage. But some of the Frisians that were been there then, there's actually some of them still there or their direct ancestors are, are still there. So we'll be using Frisian, pure high EBI Frisians uh, jerseys and Kiwi crossbulls on the herd the past uh, two years. Um, and we'll be happy enough for the stock we get underground at the moment. Anyway. You mentioned that you went crossbreeding in 2009. Um, what factors contributed to this decision, Eddie? I suppose we felt like that there was going to be an opportunity to to grow the herd and um, I suppose the first couple of years I came home the, the cows were going in calf pretty well but there was uh, we would have been using a fair bit of I suppose medicine in the springtime with cows getting sick and stuff after calving and we felt like there was, it was um, uh, whatever we moved to the breed was at the time we felt that we, or maybe just the way we were feeding them or just, we were trying, trying to change the feeding system I suppose to more grass and stuff and they weren't able to handle what we were doing we felt. so we felt that if we were going to grow numbers um, we wanted to put some bit of jersey into them to be able to have a bit of more an easier maintenance cow basically that's a cow we want really on the farm is a cow we see just basically did calf away from when the calf was born, put her back in calf and uh, and dry her off and calve her again. So we're looking for a cow that we don't really see, I suppose, on the farm. Um, so we feel that they're easier to run from a labour point of view. And if, uh, so that that's the type of cow we were we were uh, 
looking for. Uh, if I suppose if we were going to stay at the 80 or 100 cows uh, forever, we probably would have said it the black and white as you'd have your, maybe people talk about your cold cow value and your, your calf value and so on. But uh, up until now, we haven't been, um, I suppose we're, we're culling less cows because of the crossbreds we feel and uh, and uh, the calves were getting good. We've got, had a good market for for calves. So on average for calves, we're not doing uh, too bad off the farm, like, you know. And, you know, you mentioned that you increased uh, cow numbers, but that was in conjunction with increasing the land base on the milking platform. Did you see that stocking rate has increased over the years? Yeah, so when I came back first, stocking rate on the milking platform, it was 24 hectares at home, so it's around three cows a hectare. So actually, today it's probably the same. Like, uh, So it hasn't increased uh, drastically over the time. It would be just the milking platforms have been always, always stocked decent enough and we would have been finishing all the calves and buying extra calves even at the time when I came back first uh, finished maybe 100, 120 cattle a year as well as uh, milking so they, I suppose the beef enterprise would have been phased out of the farm and cows would have replaced them and the milking platform would have grown from 24 hectares in 2000 and probably 5 to uh, up to maybe maybe 50 hectares in 2006 and right up to 116 uh, currently and um that's that's so. I suppose we've been increasing stock rate as the grass growth has allowed the stock rate to increase, um, and uh, or the cow numbers have gone up with with grass growth. So that uh, we're not, so we're not buying uh, feed fully feed a cow. If you know what I mean, we're growing enough grass uh, to to feed a cow predominantly. Like. And 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 also then just to 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 pick up um you know on on the back of stocking rate you're feeding a very low level of concentrate at you know roughly a half a ton last year, um but this has increased substantially like from a very very low base of say two hundred and sixty two hundred and seventy kilos of concentrate, um the additional concentrate that you're feeding is that extending lactation in the autumn or or when are you feeding it? Yeah, it is. I suppose it's supposed to be before the course were gone. You'll be dry there the middle of November, uh, for the, especially for the last couple of years. And you might be on Wednesday from September to back into the year. So you'll be putting no feed in the autumn at that stage. Um, so the coat or the milk used to be, or the feed just be all, all fed in the spring. So we start off maybe feeding three kilos for the month of February as appetite in cows is low enough, we feel, at that stage. And we're trying to get through ground to get a certain percentage of the farm grazed anyway in February. So there's plenty of grass allocated in February. So we feed some... Uh, for the uh, 2017, now we would have had to up at four kilos maybe for the month of March, and probably in 2017 or 2018, just gone by, would be up at six kilos for the for the month of March this year due to the lack of uh, grass growth during the month. Um, so I suppose like, the majority of it goes in in the February, March, April period, and off it in again maybe four or five weeks into breeding. It's just covering calmag and minerals for the first few weeks of breeding. Off it in again for the summer months, and back on it maybe late September or maybe earlier September if we have to try and. Um, Bill cover, but I suppose we're putting feed to feed the wedge rather than uh, feed a cow uh, as such. Like uh, as regards our his or targets for our grass plant for the for the year, the feed goes in to, to fill a gap or fill a deficit or to help us get uh, extra surplus out of the system. So I think we've a, we've a great idea of the, just the, the farm system, and I suppose why we're really interested in talking to you today, Eddie, is um, yourself and your dad, Dennis, um, were the grassland say grass 10 champions for 2017 um and i suppose we're looking to get an insight into why what like what prompted you to enter the grass 10 competition last year yeah i suppose um like all competitions if you enter you're going to give it your best shot and uh, uh we to do that you obviously have to do a bit of homework uh beforehand as regards uh what you feel people might be looking for but i suppose the last of the judging is done before they ever come near the farm as regards the, the figures are taken off pasture base for the previous three or four years so they have all that information or ICBF or whatever so um, 
the, but I suppose if you have people coming onto the farm, you're going to try and put your best foot forward. So you're going to do a bit of homework yourself and look at your side for these more closely. And, and we would have had soil samples taken the previous autumn and November 16, and the same again in November 14, and they'll be taken again in November this year. And um, we've been putting fertilizer plans in place to match that. And I suppose we were trying to show that to the judges when they came out with that we have different color codes on the paddocks in the parlor so that we try and stay away from the. There's not too many index one or index two paddocks on the. There's, I think, only one index uh, two paddock on the farm for P. Uh, but K, there's a couple of them index uh, two for K. So we were trying to stay away from taking any silage or bales of any inscription off them or even topping them and just keep the cows on them and maybe focus on soil watering them. And that's up in the parlor. So no matter who's maybe spreading soil water contractor or ourselves or whatever, that uh, you can say that and they can see what. Uh, the reasons for it, you can explain to people easier students or whatever uh, why you're doing such a thing um, so we just felt it was going to be a benefit to us to enter it and sure there was prize money attached and if you're lucky enough to win it it's always nice and um, they were the main reasons supposed we, we entered the competition but it was supposed to to get us focused more on the grass even uh, even more than the sword in the war at the time like you know and and following on from that, you know, the um, your farm was assessed on paper, and then you had, you know, several judges called out to the farm. What were the main aspects that sold your farm and, and essentially Crown G Grass Ten Champions in twenty seventeen? Um, I don't know. I, I suppose the the Grass Ten competition, the title of it is, or the Grass Ten. Uh, the whole idea behind it is to utilize 10 tons of grass per hectare and to do 10 grazing rotations a, a year. And the farm, the home farm here would have done 10 rotations for the past couple of years, grass uh, grazing rotations and maybe another uh, half to full rotation of uh, silage when you work it back uh, off the farm as well. So you've been only going around the farm 11 times uh, in 2017, I think 10 and a half times in 2010 and over 10 times again in, in um in uh, 2015 so over the last three years you could say we've been doing that and maybe it was nine times maybe in 2014 uh, uh, so we've been increasing the first rotation we're doing the farm and we feel that's helping us to grow more grass because we're hitting the pre-grazing covers at a uh, when the farm when the base is completely green 13 1400 and it's uh, allowing us to do that and um, so that was probably one of the things and then i suppose we had good plans for our side fertility and um the, the that's probably uh, helped as well and sure the infrastructure on the farm it has been invested in as regards extra water tanks down through the years uh water system and um also um like we've uh, lots of roadways on the farm as regards so it helps us to get out to, to graze in the shoulders of the year like uh, fairly uh, intensively and talk through the benefits uh, of entering the competition for ye as a farm. Yeah, so I suppose any time you have judges coming onto the farm uh, to assess things, uh, you, they're experts and and there was a uh, from different areas of I suppose industry or agri or uh, and the judges were based. So I suppose if they question you on what you're doing from the grass to the financial. So it's always beneficial to get a uh, question that you're, you're, you put your thinking and uh, so you're, you're learning from that. Like, so we would have felt that um, it was very beneficial to have the judges on the farm for that. And even preparing for the, uh, when we were lucky enough to have one of us preparing for the open day there in the springtime, um, you have different people called to the farm in the lead up to it as well and in preparation for that and we would have uh, taken a good bit out of that as well like, you know. um, To get a bit of advice from you Eddie you're probably aware the level of grass measurement is extremely low in the country and, and therefore management is suboptimal on a lot of farms what advice would you have for farmers who are thinking about starting grass measurement? Yeah I, I feel it's very beneficial and uh, 
to, to grass measure in it and it'll put more money in your pocket. I know it's an hour and a half or two hours in the farm, but I suppose for someone that wants to get started at the bottom, um, I suppose maybe talk to a neighbour or someone in the locality they can they know is uh, um, good at grass measuring or is doing it regularly or for a good while now at this stage and maybe go around on their farm for a few walks with him uh, and maybe get them come back to your farm at some stage as well. And if you, the more what grass walks you do if you're doing the weekly uh, the more confident you get in measuring and it's the decisions you make from the measuring like anyone can go to the paddock and say there's a thousand or fifteen hundred on it but it's the decisions you're making and looking at the wedge and making decisions or setting up your autumn plan is where the, the real uh, money is to be made on and, and the whole side of the things and I feel if they see there's a benefit like if you have a hundred cow herd and you can save two kilos of feed per day uh, over the week like that's a ton and a half feed like so you would be long adding up uh, savings they're talking 350 400 euros there for one week so if you do that for a month like uh, you say you'd have a family holiday out of it or uh, a half a holiday anyway out of it or whatever so like it's it's stuff like that you can see that um, when you see the monetary people really get hooked on it I believe and uh, like there's grass coaches and charges of grass coaches um uh, there, so maybe contact your dairy advisor, maybe and look to get in touch with one of them. And uh, like Abigail Ryan used to do it with through Germinal and uh, Chagas years ago, and it was um, used to have uh, our pilot farms in the area, and they could ten or fifteen farms come together once a month, and use or every two weeks, use get great benefit out of it. You mentioned the monetary value, Eddie. Um, you were saying you know two kilos a day, and you can put a figure on that. And I remember reading a few years ago in an Irish Grassland Association magazine, you mentioned there was a benefit of your grass walk each week of say two hundred and fifteen euro. Has that increased um, over the years, or is it still roughly the two hundred and fifteen euro you'd save? Yeah. So at the time we were, I remember that was uh, two thousand seven. I said that paper was unfair. And in um, so I think we were making ninety cows in two thousand six. So what would have, how would that would figure would have come from, or where would have come from was we would have taken this three or four years previous to starting the grass measure on the farm, uh, and worked out the feed and uh, fertilizer costs for the farm, and also the milk returns, and we would have done the same for the following three years that we started measuring, and um. We would have taken half the benefit for on the milk side, but we would have taken all the cost savings uh, down to grass management, and um, we ended up basically working out that for the ninety cows it was worth us two hundred and fifteen euros a week uh, for walking the farm. So it was worth over ten thousand euros or eleven thousand euros to the farm for to say forty walks at the time uh, 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 on the farm. So like uh, obviously as numbers have scaled up. Um, the the returns uh, wouldn't have diminished anyway. Uh, on us, we feel like you know. And and I suppose you know talking about starting grass measuring. If we look back, you know, when we were on on your farm earlier this year, you were measuring at that stage for fourteen years. You know, there weren't many dairy farmers measuring grass fourteen years ago. What gave you the idea to start? Uh, that would be would have been in a dairy discussion group in Moorpark since the late 80s, uh, which would have been facilitated by Pat Tillon at the time. And I would have joined him maybe in the, uh, after finishing high college, maybe 2001 or 2002. And uh, Mick Donovan and Noel Bourne would have taken over at that stage, facilitating the group. And um, I suppose we would have had, the group would have, at the time, would have been maybe just about 20 farmers in the group, would have had an average herd size around, be around 70 or 80 cows. And that would have increased maybe to 240 or 250 as an average of, across the group now at the moment. And we felt that if the fellas were going to try and get their uh, things in order, they had to get the grass right and get the financials right and lead on from there. It's supposed to be technically uh, very good is what the target was at the time. Um, so we would have really focused on grass measuring in late 2003, early 2004. 
So that's why we, so we would have all focused on getting our paddock size and so on. That would have been growing a lot of grass in the farm and the farm would have been high in PK. Um, uh, when I came back, I suppose to start a mission or whatever. So we all, all I did basically was put figures on it, and maybe we changed different targets in for spring and shoulders and stuff. And the farm would have been stocked as I said, a three cows a hectare at the time, so there wouldn't have been grass wasted either. So um, everything would have been cleaned out uh, pretty well. So in spring 2004, uh, actually Brendan Horn would have called to the farm a couple of times, and uh, on his way home from Moor Park on a Saturday morning or whatever. Um, and he would have walked the farm with me and at the time it was 24 hectares so you'd get around in an hour you'd have to cover and all done so um, there's, it was we, I found that you know and so he would other lads would have went to other members of the group and we found it was beneficial a bit like back to what I was saying earlier on about buddying up with someone that if you have someone, a second person doing which you that has more experience of it than yourself you'll pick it up quicker than you will on your own because you want the confidence to go out on your own and try and uh, learn from scratch I, I, I feel uh, on obviously if you've gone through um, four years of college course or whatever you'll have done some of it at some stage but I still think you've been fit out of talking to someone that has done this experience and uh, there would have been other farmers I suppose uh, Dennis Cochran and Clamell wasn't that far away from us and he would have been on the grass watching the journal I remember uh, back at that stage but he would have been measured maybe seven or eight years or ten years at that stage and so there's plenty of uh, people around that we would have been at it, uh, um, that you could have, uh, supposed to pick up the phone or talk to. Um, so that's where I feel that there was, uh, th- the numbers might have been small and they're probably maybe still small, but that's it's up to the farmers that are measuring at the moment to try and encourage people's gardens to get into. There's probably only five or 600 that are actually doing it every week, a dairy farmer out of 18,000, or maybe if you put in the beef and dry stock farmers, probably another couple of hundred. So it's very small when you look at the numbers in the country. So, and it's especially in a year like this, and we see the fodder prices back in the springtime again, like um, the benefits of it uh, are, are massive for the country as, as a whole. Um, uh, the extra money to stay for free is, is a, it's a lot, like, you know. And I suppose the, the second bit of advice um, that I'd be looking for is, you know, there are a lot of people considering entering the competition and the closing date is is imminent. You know, what sort of, you know, would you go for it? Yeah, I would. And uh, like, uh, if by entering the competition, you learn more and you'll, uh, you'll get you get feedback anyway, I'm sure. Like, so talk to your advisor or whatever and, and, and just enter it. And uh, the preparation for it, you'll learn more from it. And if you're lucky enough to get shortlisted and so on or to go on and win it or whatever, you get uh, loads of feedback onto your farm. And, uh, and um, it, it definitely works as, um, um, from... Uh, a whole grassland management side of things it could definitely benefit you and benefit your rice culture farm and business really that's it for part one of our interview with Eddie O'Donnell join us next week on the Dairy Edge podcast where Eddie gives us his top tips to achieving 10 grazings don't forget to subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts and for more information go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie I'm Emma Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge